This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we're about to do a spoiler cast. This is where I turn, I do the intro and I turn it all over to you. Except for this is a, a unique one because it's half non-spoiler too. Half non So like do not, hmm. do not be afraid of all spoilers. Like we got half non-spoiler stuff because this is our, this is our combined feedback spoiler podcast. I, I came for spoilers. I feel duped. <laughs> well, Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get, uh, there's one thing, um, we kind of promised that we would have coverage of season two before season seven last year. I feel duped on that as well. You, you, you should have. Um, we did not do that because of a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Game of Thrones was supposed to be, was supposed to be in, in April. Right. Uh, or late March. And, uh, uh, here we are middle of July, just talking about the preview podcast, uh, what happened was if we had to come out the way it's supposed to, then we'd had we had a fairly light February schedule that we would have done that. When mm-hmm. uh, if, if, trying to get that done during like you know we just got finished with a three show per week Fargo leftovers Better Call Saul marathon, we just didn't have the time. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, do season two after this season. And then I think we'll probably do season three after the final season, season eight, as a nice little kind of send off and give her, you know, the ease of transition into civilian life for all of us Game of Thrones veterans. Um, that's the plan. Um, yeah. So sorry about that, but we, we just didn't have any spare time to do it during during the lead up to Game of Thrones like we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it. Uh, I We already talked a lot because we had the the the, the convention q a and stuff uh, we've already talked a lot about the season i thought we could get just right into what the people want to talk about yeah that sounds great all right mike from louisiana i have a simple question we won't know this for years but will you be conflicted about the series finale if the end game is completely different from the books that still need to be written it's possible oh, both endings will be awesome but it would be very strange the double d's and germ come up with a completely different takes on how the story concludes what would take precedence? Is one right and one wrong? I foresee complications. As a show watcher only, no. I'm not worried about this in the least. Right. Because uh, really the show will be my ending, and, and that's probably it. I mean, are you asking me if people are going to have difference of, of viewpoints? <sighs> Look, in the real world, we cannot decide what is going on with our climate, how we should care for the poor and sick among us, uh whether the the person in the white house is a decent human being how to train our dragons how to if you're asking me are are there going to be fan nerd battles with much fan nerd bloodshed over the canonicity of game of thrones vis-a-vis the uh, song of ice and fire a fucking course there will yeah now i will say that um i'm i'm of the opinion that george is never going to finish these novels 
Okay, problem solved. Like, I do think that that's the most likely outcome at this stage in the game. The only dark horse hope I have is that once the series concludes, and I'm assuming that people like it, uh, that that will take enough pressure off of him that then he, the whatever stress-based writing block he's got will unclog and will get his version of what happens at the end. Hmm. Uh, but I think what's, um, you know, and th- but that's that's a best-case scenario. And it's funny, it's like I thought that that would be a, a minority opinion, uh, but I've been, I have been I asked several times at the Con of Thrones, which is a, was a concentrated uh, collection of very pro Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire people, and like less than 10% of that fandom, whenever I took a straw poll of the audience, and I did it like five or six times, less than 10% of the fans thought that we would get books, period. Mm-hmm. No one thought we'd get them. Like, I asked for a show of hands of anyone thought that we would get wins before season eight. Nobody thinks that. Yeah. So, like, that's not a challenge. If you want to email, like, I'm the one true it's just king's guard yeah. for George. Like, fine. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. You and all your buddies are in a very very small minority mm, yeah. and that started to seep into like the song of ice and fire subreddit mm. uh the game of thrones so like I, it, it's starting to be a growing dread that we're just not going to get an ending of these books but if we do fuck yes there will be and it, it's an unprecedented situation it's fascinating from a yeah. purely human drama standpoint it's fascinating from a, a in-universe standpoint it's it's crazy it'd be like if the novelization of a movie came out and it had a different ending than the movie itself, which is what we have now. Uh-huh. George is doing a novelization of an original series, HBO's A Game of Thrones. Yeah, a, a series that he started as a, a yeah an adaptation of his novels. Like, yeah, it's I, so I, weird. It is very weird, and it's 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 crazy. But you know, uh, he doesn't. I mean, I, and I saw an article today that he affirms that he does feel like there is an obligation from the fan for him to the fans that he has to finish these books. But mm. you know, the obligation—if if he felt that obligation at all—he's that's that's nothing has changed in the last fifteen years. Well, I think the unspoken thing there is that he has to finish it in a way that he thinks will satisfy the fans, right? Not in a way that just ends the story because that's pretty easy to do. Yeah. Oh, and then everybody died. Right. <laughs> okay, done. Here you go. No, he wants to end it satisfactorily for everyone. Yeah. I'm just amazed that, like, if the Double Ds can bring this into something that gets fairly universal acclaim, it's going to make George look kind of foolish that he couldn't bring. And I get it. He's a gardener, not an architect. But goddamn, get the weed whacker out. Like, yeah. Like, like, yeah. like that he couldn't turn this thing around and get it to that ending that we uh, – and, and, and I also – I also don't – give much currency to the idea that the endings are going to be radically different. Mm-hmm. Like I think the way we get there just and in, and in, in, in there's several examples already where the seasons in the middle diverge but by the end of each season they kind of are at the same endpoints of each book. Right. Um you know, it's going to be a simplified version but I don't think we're going to have like Danny on the Iron Throne in one version and John on the other. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a shit show. That would be actually kind of fun. I uh, I think it'd a be real, super interesting. A real nerd civil war. Yeah. A hot, hot, hot civil war. Uh, any other thoughts or should we move on? No, let's go. Fern from New York City. Uh, similar to Davos discovering Melisandre was responsible for the death of Princess Shireen uh, in Season 6, what is more likely to happen in Season 7? A, B, or both or none? A, Sansa discovers that Littlefinger had a hand in the death of her father Ned Stark and she plots to kill Littlefinger because of this knowledge? Or B, Tyrion discovers that Danny's uh, new par- uh, partners to Dornish Killed his niece, Princess Marcella, and uh, caused discord in the new alliance. 
I feel like maybe B is the most likely. You don't think? I mean, it seems honestly. I think both of them are likely because so. these are these, these are both true things. Yeah. Uh, you're dealing with people that are not complete idiots, uh, and I think the information will be discovered. Um, and I, I, I honestly think that's going to. Uh, it seems like Sansa and Littlefinger already barely on speaking terms. They are, but the way they left it last season, it felt more like there was going to be some kind of you know, uh, on thin ice alliance between them sure, against sure. John, maybe. Or well, at the very least, like, that's how Littlefinger was I, trying to play it. I think it. Littlefinger's trying to play it that way, but I just don't see, like, I mean, that's, uh, that, okay, when I say I don't see it, I mean, I clearly can see the, 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 the connection to, like, if, especially if she finds out that John's not really uh, a true Stark, if he's this Targaryen kind of lo- love child, that yeah. that that will sour s- her on 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 his ex- the experience of them actually being family, since they wouldn't be brother or sister at that point. Uh, they'd be cousins, I guess. Uh, but I just I don't know. To to me, that would be a reversion to the stupid Sansa mm-hmm. version of herself, which yeah, I would totally. find satisfying. No, I, I want it to maybe be her playing him. Him thinking that he's got her wrapped around his finger when, in fact, he is the one being wrapped. Right, because the other thing you got to ask yourself is, will Littlefinger... Either Littlefinger's going to run out of rope and hang himself, yeah. or he's going to sit the Iron Throne. <laughs> right. Is that what George is playing You at? win or you die. I mean, yeah. That's it. So I don't think Littlefinger is going to win, so yeah. thus he's going to die, and the dramatically appropriate person to be the agent of that death would be Sansa. I just think, like, who has that information, right? Um Really, it's only Cersei, isn't it? I don't. If she even has that information, like, well, Varys, that's the thing. Like, I wonder Varys if she might? thinks about the circumstances of Joffrey. Like, I wonder if she could put enough together. Um, also, um, there was a hot. This, so, so this is this is it's it's publicly available information. Um, the analysis of it is potentially spoilery, but there's someone that pointed out the fact that. Um, on the, like an Entertainment Weekly cover, uh, I think it's either Sansa or Tyrion is holding the Valerian steel dagger that yeah. you know, they tried to murder Bran with. Right. Uh, which you know, in the chain of custody, Littlefinger was at least had his fingerprints on that. And I'm wondering if that's mm. that's a vector where they'll put two and two together and start thinking, oh my god, you know, you did. And, and the thing is, like, I Maybe. don't even think she needs yeah. hard evidence. I think she needs a hint and that she can backfill what <laughs> she knows of what he's capable of and he won't be able to explain his way out of it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe um, so. Yeah, it sounds like proximity of, of information right. to these characters is going to be key, um, you know, in determining which is more likely. So uh, The B one about Tyrion Maybe. discovering uh, the Danny's Dornish alliance killed her niece, like, that's mm-hmm. really going to test his real politic view of the world. Yeah. Because it's not like they didn't have their grievances. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they betrayed their own. I mean, it might be a, a situation where maybe she banished, like she uh, she banishes the particular sister or the, the wife of Oberyn that did the poisoning. Yeah. Or the sand snakes are banished because, you know, even by your own standards, like Prince Oberyn's like, hey, we don't kill children. That's what's the difference between us and the Lannisters. Like, mm-hmm. you violated your own social mores and customs to do this petty revenge. I, there needs to be a price paid. Yeah. And that's going to be a theme of this uh, uh, preview podcast, that, like, we have to always think about what is a character's sins and what is their just rewards, regardless of what, what they're currently trying to transition into being a hero or whatever. Like, you know, there is a sense of karma in this world, and I don't think you can 
for example, if you're a big Jamie fan and think Jamie's going to have a happy ending, does he not ever have to pay for shoving a child out the window? Right. Like, that's the, you know, we forget when we, we all like Jamie, but he was a really terrible human being. Like, does he get off scot-free for that? Is, I mean, is his hand getting chopped out? Yeah, chopped that's off? what is I that, wonder. Is that adequate punishment in George's eyes? I mean, I maybe know. both hands. Let's let's lose both hands and then we can talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... his, his pillar and two stones. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Erin B. Uh, my question for season seven, what's the point of Mira fucking Reed? She's been on this damn show for five years and is still barely a character. Can we get some plot for her besides being caretaker and official sledge dragger? dragger? I feel like she's so filled uh, with so much badass possibility and has been around so long without being utilized. Hodor, who can only say one word, has more character development than her. I'm going to riot if she drags ben, ben Brand's lanky ass all the way to Winterfell to just drop dead. Thoughts on possibilities <laughs> for her? Is she doomed? Do you care? Etc. So since this is half spoilery, half uh, not, and actually I think this might, all this information might be in the show at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, we'll, we'll mark it for an edit. <laughs> she's a descendant of Howland Reed, right? Uh-huh. Who is the only person that we know for sure might, uh, other than Bran at this point, that might have information about... Oh, yeah, about... this is... Goes, Howland Reed was there, and we still know as well. About he John was there Starks. at the Tower of Joy when yeah. he stood with Ned against the Three Kings Guard. Right. So this is in the show, but you'd have to be paying attention to get so it. So she could be important in that regard, like right. proving that fact or or getting John on board or something. As a vector to introduce Howland Reed. P- potentially, yeah. Although I'm skeptical at, with 13 episodes to go that that's going to happen. Yeah. I've always thought that Mira was designed to be Bran's human connection. That Okay. That he is going to be uh, much like the Blood Raven, much like the Three Eyed Crow before him. His humanity and his connection to there that that is going to be tested mm-hmm. with all the green seeing and warging he's doing, and that there might be this moment where you know there's the battle of the soul for for, for between the Night's King and you know his good side, and Mira might be. I know you love how much you love the power of love. We the all power we of human all connection. saw what happened in Lawnmower Man. I just don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Uh, Pierce Brosnan couldn't bring Joe back. It's not going to happen. I, I feel like that, that that's that sh- there's that's going to that, that they're even though it is thinly sketched that they have five seasons of history and this personal connection and the friendship and the the, the travels they've been through um, that that will matter in some yeah. way. That's yeah. that's our hope. That's my hope for Mira. Sounds good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Rick, how you doing, buddy? You, you don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man, do do you even know what it's like out there? No, not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne into cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. 
Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are too. We're preparing to once again recommission the Watching Dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, the ones who live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. Allie, one thing I'd like to see is re- happen is a reunion between the Hound and either Arya or Sansa, either individually or together. Mm-hmm. I really like how he went from a horrifying figure to, in certain circumstances, somewhat of a protector. I've also enjoyed seeing him overcome death and trying to live a peaceful life, at least in the show. But come on, we know he's alive in the books, too. Of course. I would love to see Sandor receive a bit of happiness in his life through some warm feelings between him and the Stark girls, especially in the face of the long winter and the threats that accompany it. Uh, so, what are the odds of the Hound and either Arya or Sansa meeting, and uh, what will be their relationship? It's. I feel like it's got to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Sandor's... Uh, story is not one of of you know happiness. Well, see, there's, um, the, there's but he's I, certainly sympathetic, and I'm rooting for him right. as a character now. And he's fundamentally different from Jamie because Jamie came of a life of privilege, yeah. and and I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't have his disappointments. You know, the idea that you're treated as a as a traitor when essentially you're the protector of the realm, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that your daddy doesn't love you and you know, your sister's a piece of work. Your sister does. I, I don't I don't know that that gets you, like, that balances the karmic scale and gives you license to shove a child out the window. Right. Whereas the Hound, who has been beaten and abused by his, his family and his brother in particular, and has just such a shitty, terrible worldview about knights, and, and, and like, I, I could see him, he's already paid his karmatic price, mm-hmm. and he has got a much clearer path for redemption. Ahead, he sort so. of pre-ordered the karma right like, right like yeah he he, went, he lived a life that was really hard and shitty uh and then you know he killed the butcher's boy but come on he's had it rough yeah yeah he he heard about all the hype about uh, you know and he pre-ordered a GameStop, and then it came his bug ridden and there's no multiplayer and he, he learned his lesson i he did i i the thing is is like i think that when if we learn from Arya's training with the Faceless Men, which we learned surprisingly little through that, other than her gut is made of adamantium. Uh, that that she doesn't she doesn't have any personal animosity towards the the Hound. Yeah, I don't anymore. think either of them do. Uh, she was accused of lying when she tried to assert that it was. And yeah. Sansa, I think, has done a lot of growing up, and mm-hmm. she's seen you know what she considers true heroic knights be terrible human beings, and the yeah. Hound. Uh, and people like Brienne, who are not her vision of a of a knight, actually embodying those qualities uh, more so. So I would be very disappointed in Sansa if she gives Sandor the cold shoulder. Oh yeah, yeah. and Arya too. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and the fact that I also think it's important that the Hound actually did die, like that we thought he was dead, like that that serves as a real you know metaphysical narrative like signal that he is he's paid for his sins yeah so like again that's the difference between him and jamie jamie lost his hand hand the hound lost his life mm-hmm. um and then was metaphorically resurrected and drafted into decided good so we'll see how that goes but I, that's how i see it happening amber from florida uh it's one of these florida women you're always hearing about in the news 
All the coverage so far, for obvious reasons, has been focused on the Starks, Lannisters, Danny, and how their paths will converge and affect one another, leading to the finale of the story. I haven't heard much mention of Sam, nor do I think he shows up in a preview. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I will correct you, because in the one of the late, the, I think the final trailer, there's a scene of him and Gilly, presumably at the Citadel, so they've relaxed their no women rule, and she's reading a very interesting scroll. Uh, you should check out if you want to interest because this is semi spoilery. You can check out Alt Shift X's analysis of the trailer, and he'll lay it all bare for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've long thought that he will have a huge role to play, and his stay at the Citadel will perhaps be key to the White Walker defeat. How do you see him being brought back to story? Logically, it would involve meeting back with Jon Snow or at least contact via Raven. What could he possibly learn at this point that we don't know as viewers or readers that would make his story important? Yeah, I'm with you. It's got to be information. That is the character of Sam. Right. Um, he's not going to fight. Right. Uh, he, he will fight reluctantly, and he will often be saved by circumstance, but right. his knowledge is his key. Right. Um, what knowledge could he bring? I mean, we know so much as an audience now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not sure how much the characters understand. Like, That's right. Like, how much do they know that it's the Dragonglass or the Valyrian Steel or whatever that can kill these whites? Right. Um or White Walkers, rather. Right. Uh, versus, like, do they think it was just, well, uh, something killed it. I mm-hmm. don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. I, I know somebody gets the Dragonglass, because, like, Sam right. says something about Dragonglass, right? right? Um, and there's lots, also, Stannis mentioned there's a ton of Dragonglass on Dragonstone, uh, the, right. uh, the, the, the island that's the ancestral seat of the Targaryens. So John knows. Um, and also, like, I th- there's been a lot of scenes in the trailers set on Dragonstone, so that could be um, a factor. I-, I think the biggest mystery that's an academic one is how do you make Valerian steel, mm-hmm. uh, which we saw does a bang up job of fucking up the others, the White Walkers. Yeah. So I feel like you know that's probably, and in the books, I think it's probably going to be a little bit more subtle and arcane, but. I think in the series, uh, that's probably going to be his contribution, that there'll be some long-forgotten book that has the recipe for using dragon fire or some sort of magic to make Valerian steel, and that will be one of the things that turns the tide in the battle. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, the giant fighter-breeding dragons. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, that's a, that, I guess that's a real question is, like, you know, this is something I've been thinking more and more about, um, how kind of, like like, a lot of these things that we're looking for if we really think about how we kind of think about it like you know john being the prince's promise for example and he's got Lightbringer, the fiery sword well how, what does that look like you know like in the in the in the preamble to lord of the rings you see sauron and he's like three stories tall and he's got the one ring and suddenly his mace is just like literally swinging through and 500 men are flying in every direction like yeah. Is that what we think is going to happen? That seems fucking silly in Game of Thrones terms. Sure. I, I don't think he's going to grow. But then how do you defeat a whole army? And, and, sword, and how, right? does you, how do you make the prophecies relevant? Like, it's got to yeah. be something singular about him that maybe is non-mad. Maybe I, I don't. That's the thing I've been really wrestling with preseason is, like, how do you make all these prophecies be true and relevant but not end in some conventional high fantasy kind of silly special effects fest? Which we might. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he does hold the sword aloft and it fucking electrocutes through everybody like like Nazis in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It just doesn't feel like Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I we don't actually know that it's Valyrian steel that kills them, right? It could just literally be this one sword. 
I guess, if but it's why would why would a like a hand and a half bastard sword that was held by a minor house in the north? Why would it be the special one? I mean, maybe it's only the the sword. I mean, it'd John's be funny hands, as it turns out that the, that the Mormons actually had Lightbringer this whole time. <laughs> who knew, who fucking knew? No, but it's like a, a sword in the Jorah, stone. You were supposed to be the princess promised. You, you <laughs> fell in with the spindy woman and you fucked up the prophecy. Uh, but if it's like a sword in the stone sort of thing right where right. he's the one this is the sword like yeah. the combination of the two is the yeah. thing that does it and or, they try it with valerian steel and it just doesn't work right with someone else or right. with a different sword right um but but here's the thing that i think they've confused the issue a little bit is if valerian steel is the thing and dragon glass is also the thing why have two things right you know like i i feel like that is one of those needs to be a red herring, and I don't think it's Dragon Glass because Sam killed a White right. Walker with Dragon Glass. Well, there's also maybe the neither are red herrings, but maybe Daniel will turn evil, and she'll have to be defeated. Like okay, we, like, I mean, there's hmm. like there's yeah, that's another way to subvert like you know because we we talked before about how like we seriously doubt that there's going to be some like big fucking wedding scene like Aragorn and and Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, getting married. You know, it's a good Danny and John getting married on in front of the the fucking Iron Throne, and yeah, I don't you see know, it. Chewbacca gets a medal, and they're, it's <laughs> right. it's everything's. I like it. It seems that that seems like what I think in a lot of people's mind's eye to think about like as a happy ending for Game of Thrones, but it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you've got like John, who seems like very clearly to be the princess promised, but Danny, who's also got the dragons and the clear. I mean, you know. There's also been some hints that Danny might be evil, uh, that she might be like losing her grip on her sanity, like her like her old man. Come the Mad Queen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then again, we've already had a Mad Queen. Yeah, we've got one. We got, we got one sitting on the throne right now. Yeah. So it's very tough. I mean, that's one of the things I think it's taking Martin uh, a long time because I feel like that it's not just getting to the end, but I think he does a lot of soul searching about exactly like. Oh God! I've been made my name of subverting, and I, I, you know, like I don't want to have any tropes. Like that's that's mm-hmm. tough to write a completely unique story like that. I don't know. That's why it's so fascinating as a book reader to see the series come out. Uh, Liam from Melbourne, I have a few questions and observations. I'd like to get a second opinion on. You can get three. Okay. Jim gives one too. Uh, first, I've been confused with Danny. Is she also not a product of incest? Also. Uh, you're correct. The Mad King married a sister. Um, I don't have a satisfying reason why all the kingdoms kind of turn a blind eye to like, well, that's just what Targaryens do. Uh, that was one of the justifications I know to Cersei and Jamie talked about between themselves. Like, well, if the Targaryens can do it. Why not us? Um, but the, the, the fact of the matter is Targaryens came over from a faraway land with big ass battle dragons. They kicked all of Westeros's ass. They sat themselves on the throne and they started fucking their sisters. What are you going to do about what it? What are you going to do about it? The second they lost their <laughs> dragons and got a little crazy, there's yeah. a big, I don't know if you heard of it, it's called the Robert Rebellion, <laughs> and they threw him out. So it's 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 weird that you have this foreign army that embraces the faith but also turns its nose up at a large part of the faith's tenets mm-hmm. and what and, and what goes against what the common man and woman of Westeros thinks is decent. But that's 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 the that's the world building that George has given us. Uh, secondly, just after the Starks took back Winterfell, I'm beyond certain that we will see a lion on King's Landing during the intro sequence. I thought that would be cool and people will lose their shit, so I'm going to call it early. What do you think about that? Do you, yeah, uh, instead of the stag. It seems like a cheap thing to do, and it would be, it would, it would, uh, it would really, you know, the Mad Queen sitting on the throne, 
Like she just abandons any pretense of Baratheon legitimacy and just like you know whatever. I've lost my yeah. kids to what to like honor her father or something and her family. I just think that she sees herself says, as a as a Lannister. Yeah, she's, I think she's, so. I don't think she hates her father. I think she. Oh she, no! Her big problem is she actually thinks that she's the true legacy mm-hmm. of Tywin Lannister. Yeah, and she could not be more wrong. Yeah. Um, lastly, because there's a short amount of time left in the show, could I poss- could it possibly be that the Hound is the one that kills Cersei? Um, I don't, okay, I doubt it. Yeah, I but... just I did. What is the what is the dramatic? I mean, you got to think of like what is the narrative purpose that that serves? And like, yes, right. that's meta, but also this is a written story. So, mm-hmm. what would the narrative's purpose of the Hound killing Cersei be? The Hound is nowhere near Cersei right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that. Anytime you suggest someone killing Cersei that's not already in King's Landing, because I kind of think Cersei's dead this season. Like could, I feel very strong be, that yeah. Cersei and Littlefinger don't make it out of the season. Yeah. Um, but but I I don't see the Hound. I don't think it, I don't think it fits any kind of narrative, and I also don't think um, it. Uh, you know, you say what you will about jetpacks. Uh, I just I just don't I don't see it coming from outside the court. Yeah, I think by the end of the season we have a non Lannister, non Baratheon on, on the throne, or maybe not honestly. One. Or maybe no throne. Yeah, John's um, like, depending on what Danny, he's going to do. We have to go up north to feed this, to kill these ice zombies. You know nothing about. Finally, some, <laughs> some, someone who knows less than him. He just, yeah, he just 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 lords it over her. Um, fine, we'll just leave the no one on the throne. Is that what you want, John? Yes. All right. Uh, Ross B. Was listening to preview podcast and topic Arya using Littlefinger's face. At least I think it was him. Yeah. But the question was whether a person's face was wearing they were wearing had to be that of a dead person. While doing my own rewatch on episode 10 of season 5, after Arya steals a face and kills Marin Trant in the whorehouse, she comes back to the House of Black and White, and Jacken mm-hmm. is waiting with her uh, for her with the other page, and they confront Arya. Jacken says that Arya stole a face and that the death must be fa- paid for with a life, and he drinks the poison. While Arya is crying over the body, Jacken appears behind Arya, so he's wearing the page's face, at which point Arya begins peeling faces off of dead Jacken, ending when she gets to her own and goes blind. Mm-hmm. The point of this is presumably Jacken is not dead, and even if he is somehow in the House of Black and White, uh, has two of his faces to be one, the dead man, and the man standing behind Arya in a scene. As far as we know, Arya is not dead, so it would appear that you do not need to be dead for the faceless men to appear in your face, at least in the show. Uh, hmm. So I, the question – here's the th- – here's yeah. the, go ahead. What, what's I, I think there are a lot of assumptions in there right? Um, when, when drawing your conclusion. Mm-hmm. Like – these are actual physical faces that they need to have. Mm-hmm. And that the, there's only a copy, one copy of a face that one person can use at one time. Right. I, I think of it much more mystically. Like, uh, we, we keep the faces around as a symbol, um, as like tokens, but really you don't need a face to take a face. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I mean, it points out how little we know about how this face swap and stuff works. The right. other thing is, I was going to attack it from the angle of, um, are, are we certain that Arya actually saw these things? Sure, because yep. it ended up with her being blinded. She's obviously, you know, either mystically or like the the, the faces are poisoned unless you know how to use them precisely. Uh, that she, it's likely that she could be tripping balls throughout this whole thing, this whole yeah. transformation that left her blind. So for sure. It's it's tough. My assumption is it has to be, and the other assumption is that this is Jacken's true face, right? Like we don't know how old Jacken is. We don't know what he really looks like. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the problems in a universe where you can swap faces and glamour, and you know you can get really off in the weeds with the theory that you can't really disprove. But you guys ask yourself, like, does it does it make narrative sense? Yeah. 
Um, also, I don't have a problem with it because I don't think Littlefinger. I think Littlefinger is going to not even make it through the halfway point. <laughs> yeah, so this Arya, is just something I want to see. Yeah, Arya having Littlefinger's face not a big problem for me. Um, anyway, Jake from Cincinnati came across your podcast last year. I'm a big. Oh, why did I? I just left oh, it in. You left it in. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, anyway, skip, skip, skip. One thing I've never really heard you guys discuss is the vastness of the land of the North. I'm only a show watcher, and I don't know the books make it easier to comprehend with maps or such. But for us show watchers. Characters just seem to show up in the reaches of north of the wall with very little explanation or travel. And the White Walkers and Whites seem to have their own little finger type jetpacks. Yeah, they've all got jetpacks. My point is, do you think it's important as show watchers to understand the boundaries and landscape north of the wall? Um, or do you think we just accept it? If you're north of the wall, you're north of the wall, and there's probably going to be White Walkers about. Yeah, that's how I view it, honestly. Like, I've seen the maps, and I know the, the north is vast. And uncharted. Um, Who knows how big it is? Sure. But I, I don't mean north of the wall. I mean the north, oh, the northern yeah. region of Westeros. North is the north. The yeah. north is approximately as big as the rest of the six kingdoms combined. Right. So I've seen all that, but I really, when I think about it, I think about it as, uh, you know, the south, the the middle, the north, and beyond the wall. Those, those right. are kind of like the four divisions I have, and then Essos. You know, right. As far as the jetpack, I have heard rumors. Someone said, sort of at the con, it's someone from the behind the scenes that said this that like. If you didn't like the jetpacking before, buckle the fuck up. Sure. Because the reality is these guys are trying to write a story from a few pages of bullet points from George Martin. They don't have the luxury of just stopping things for 15 years to figure this stuff out. So, mm-hmm. like, you're going to see people bouncing back and forth across the narrow sea, which I don't have a problem with. I have more of a problem people traveling by caravan from the wall to King's Landing. Right. But... You know, I again, the Double Ds did not sign up to write George Martin fan fiction, and that's what they're doing. So mm-hmm. I'm cutting them. I'm. This is not the podcast to come to to cry about jetpacks. Okay. Those objections Fair. have been noted, and they're just going to bog us down if we continue. Like, if that breaks the immersion and it ruins the story for you, I understand. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm not going to take time to debate when I've been told that 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 the jetpacking is going to get worse. Because they have to have yeah. people flying around solving this problem, and again, they can't shut this, shut it down to figure all this shit out like George can. It's tough because I do think of, I, I do consider proximity, like I said earlier, when right. I'm considering like what I think is going to happen. Right. But when you strap jetpacks to everyone, it doesn't completely go out the window. But right. but you have to focus, I guess, like you said, more on the narrative exactly. than, than the actual physical locations of everyone. Is the narrative? Are people like I would be more concerned if characters' motivations, like people ally, ally that don't make sense, than oh, can this person physically traverse from the reach to right. beyond the you know beyond the wall in the next episode? Yeah. So and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of chronology that doesn't make literal sense going on here. And I think when it's important, like if you if you want to say, oh, the, these armies are here and those armies are there and they're headed to the same place, which one's going to get there first? I think the show will tell you. Right. That's it will indicate like we, hey guys, we can never get there before oh, Stannis's armies. I know he's dead, right. but. As an example. Yeah, I mean, like a little finger says, oh, they'll never get here to this battle. They're two weeks away, and they show up the next episode. Feel free to call bullshit. Right, They need right. to explain that. Yeah. But and, but the show will let you know, like, these people are too far away for this. Right on. Uh, Doug L., after Marcella's death, Jamie tells Cersei, fuck fate, but it seems the characters are all at the mercy of supernatural forces and have no true ability to influence their fates at all. Which got me thinking about the tragedy of Hodor. From the moment Bran accidentally fried his brain, or perhaps long before, his fate was sealed, along with everyone else around him. Events had to conspire to get Bran and Hodor to the Raven in order to close the time loop. 
But it doesn't stop there. Melisandre explains that she had no power to bring John back, that the Lord of Light gave her the power to do it in that moment because there was some greater plan for John. Although I will say that's what every religious person says about miracles. Right. So, I mean, even Jesus pulled the whole it's not me it's the you gotta have some humility yeah uh yet again supernatural forces are because it's you know water and wine's one thing you brag about it you're not gonna win any friend you're not gonna no. start a religion doing that no yet again supernatural forces are manipulating events to their own ends indeed most of the prophecies on the show have come true as well melisandre predicted the deaths of rob stark joffrey balin Gr- Greyjoy, maggie frog predicted the deaths of cersei's three children and the list goes on Looking into season seven, it appears that all the complex moving pieces that are the characters in the show are making choices, but if all their choices are predetermined, then do the characters have real agency? Oh, God. Welcome to Philosophy uh, 102, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not exactly 101, <laughs> no. but it's it's It's, it's 201. Yeah. Uh, man, that's a great question, and I think it's 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 fun to explore in fiction. Um, because, I, I don't know, in the last couple of years, I've had this sneaking suspicion that maybe everything is... That that like mm, the universe is deterministic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that really are are what what we're what we're seeking to do is understand the choices that we've already made. Right. Um, and even if you don't believe the universe is predetermined, there's this uncomfortable fact that all the latest neuroscience coming out says that we as humans make decisions in snap seconds snap and in, in milliseconds that we then later use our higher brain functions to justify mm-hmm. the choice is already made by the way our biological machine was set for that day. And we just struggled to justify why we did it. Um, so it could be that like, yes, you do have free will, but we, for whatever biomechanical reason, don't exercise it in the way that we would be comfortable talking about it. And that has a whole bunch of other uncomfortable discussions, like how do you punish criminals if, mm-hmm. you know, any given person, any given day could make the same choice? You know, it's like I'm saying, it's like, it's big heady stuff yeah. you're talking about, Doug. This is a podcast about dragons. <laughs> right. We make dick jokes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you get the Lord of Light to bring back Carl Sagan and, and pass that one by? I don't, do you have anything? Because that's the thing. Like, No, it's, it's a fair question. Like, I, I would totally love it if this becomes, like, some kind of super awesome, like, Donnie, Donnie like, like, fucking brands Donnie Darko. Yeah, they're absolutely that touching on sweet. that kind of stuff. That would be sweet. I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know how deep this series of books wants to go this show wants to go on that topic right um is that something they did because they thought it would be cool or is that something that they want to explore more going forward right and bran's character is great for that um i think he's uniquely set up in this universe to be that kind of subject right i don't know if they'll go there uh Haley, do you think it's possible that Bran will use his new powers to see who pushed him from the tower? It seems like such an obvious thing that he would want to go back and see, assuming that he can do Wait. To see Bran wants to see who pushed him from the tower? He doesn't know. Remember he had a coma and he he has no memory of that that day. He doesn't know Jamie threw he him doesn't? out. He doesn't? No, he doesn't. Oh shit. I was under the impression that you would remember something like that. No. Uh so How do you punish a kid who doesn't remember it? <laughs> His mom was very angry. I told you no climbing. Right. I, you I, little shit. Yeah, well, you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, huh. yeah, that'd be interesting. And it also would set up the horns of the limp. Like, that's, that, here's the thing. Like, I do feel like there's something there about Jamie and his redemption arc that we want it to happen. It might be one of the last subversions George makes that this is something we want to happen. But he's like, oh, no. Remember, he he tried to murder this child just because he saw him and Cersei fucking. Yeah, this guy can't have a happy ending. And 
even though he's no longer that person, he still has to pay that price because how is he going to talk his way out of that when, you know, he's across a table from Danny and John and Dragons and Warging Bran and that mm-hmm. seems grim. Seems yeah, grim. I, I agree with that. At the same time, I think it's a little petty if Bran goes back and sees that and is like, oh, well, screw this White Walker stuff. I need to no. concentrate on killing Jamie and making him pay. But that's I mean so, so I don't think I don't think they second. really care that much right now. Cuz I do think they're kind of low key exploring like you know I talked about Mira being his connection to humanity. There's a little mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan going on here. The fact that you cannot retain all of your humanity and perspective on things once you start warging and time traveling and green seeing and predicting the future. Like you say petty but like you know Dr. Manhattan just casually exploded mobsters in an Italian yeah. restaurant. That's, that's, that's overkill. I, what I'm saying is like, deal with fuck. the threat at hand. Like, I don't think this is a season seven thing. I think I think Jamie's going to be sitting feasting in the Red Keep, and he's just going to explode. Explode, yeah. Just, just, just be turned inside out, and it's going to be Bran, and he's going to be all blue. Yeah. Giant dong. Maybe, maybe there's something that happened in that room uh-huh. that we didn't see as an audience, but Bran actually caused his own fate. <laughs> right. Similar to Hodor. Right, right. He he whispers in his own ear, yeah. don't, don't look down. <laughs> don't don't climb up here. I'm like, what? And then he just sees a face full of Cersei's bush. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. How close did he get? I, too close. Too close. <laughs> okay. Too close for his, his uh, continued walking. Dan from Philly, just wondering, since you guys like the season or the finale of Fargo so much, how do you feel about a choose-your-own-adventure-style ending for this? Oh, God. Um, I sorry I had to take the shot, but seriously, I feel a sort of a Reservoir Dogs type ending might be in store. If you, when you think about it, almost any conglomeration of characters want or have wanted the others dead, somehow I see dearly loved imp dying tragically by mistake in a weird way that will just floor the viewers. Damn it! No. Um, so he's alluding to the fact that Fargo and the Leftovers both the season ended with challenging the audience to decide for themselves which version of events that they thought actually happened. Yeah. I think Game of Thrones would be pilloried for that Mm -hmm. because Fargo Season 3 and The Leftovers entirely was kind of set up to ask that question. Yeah. And and to ask how we feel about it. It was an examination of those choices that we make. I don't think that's Game of Thrones. And it's too late to pivot into that kind of thing. Like, this is a narrative... This isn't a thought experiment. This isn't a socialist. This isn't a meditation on grief and loss and, and how we re- – and recovery. This is a narrative of, and a political drama, and it fucking needs an ending. Yep. So double Ds, if you've been watching a lot of prestige drama and you're taking furious notes like, hey, this mm-hmm. might be a way out. I don't think you got Schrodinger's Iron Throne. I think you got to yep. make a decision, guys. Um, you feel, I mean, that, yeah, totally. I feel they're, they're, like yeah. I've said, I don't think I'm a hypocrite for saying that they're, they had, these shows are narratively di- way different in what they were trying to do. Yep. So that's why I think it works for the other shows and wouldn't work for Game of Thrones. Alex F. I've been a professional copy editor for greater than 10 years now. Uh, but every time I hear the Prince that was promised, I cringe yet. I was, cause it should be the Prince who was promised. That would imply the Prince is an inanimate object. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking, is Germ that much of a noob and his editors, whom we know make copious notes and commentary in his margins, just flatly overlook the grammatical area of Prince who was promised over and over? Or is it intentional? Is the Prince not a person at all? Maybe we ought to dive in Westerosi entomology. Mm. Uh, would you be surprised if the Prince was promised was not an actual person? It's ghost. It's ghost. 
Pound, it's pounds. May, maybe John gets killed again. He wargs into Ghost, and Ghost is the prince that was promised. Yeah, yeah. Kim Renfro from the Insider was pushing a, a bunch of uh, pounds that was promised joke <laughs> joke theories at the con la- okay. last week. Uh, that's that's um, Tommen's kitten. Mm-hmm. If you don't, didn't know, um, I mean maybe. And if you so, you, you it, congratulations, Alex. You've got this is this is the only time I've ever seen this take. Yeah, or even this kind of o- metatextual an, analysis. So an if you insight got it, that only an editor could give, right? Yeah, if you got it, email back, email us back in eighteen months and claim all the internet points because you, you cracked it wide open. Yeah, um, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I, think. I, I, I don't. It, either. Look, they're big books. They're big books. There's a lot of words. Right. <laughs> they miss some things. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you had been the copy editor, that would not have happened. Uh, Rhaegar was illiterate. Uh, he's barely literate <laughs> when he's true. reading those prophecies. He's sounding them out <laughs> syllable by syllable, misunder- mistranslated it all. Uh, Julian S. Um, I think we need to talk about Gilly's baby, a.k.a. Little Sam. Now, we know in this show with characters jetpacking up and down Westeros and given explanations is that a lot of time is passing and it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. The point is, a lot of time has passed in the show, especially for the last season gone. So why is that baby that's born in season two remains a baby in Gilly's arm at the end of season six with Sam in Old Town? This seems ridiculous, yes? Sure. Yeah. That, these, these are the You're cr- not wrong, but you're right. does it matter? So I will say that the suspension of disbelief is, is challenging because yeah. it does ask you to accept a roughly... You know, I'm not saying it's only been, uh, you know, that there's literally been six years of past, but it does ask you to kind of believe a few years have passed or a while mm-hmm. has passed while simultaneously believing that Gilly's baby hasn't aged. Yeah, and you've got the opposite problem in the child actors, right? Right. Who started this thing. So now they're they've aged they're all what? 23 years right. old. Uh, they've grown up. They've got six feet taller, and yet this baby remains the same. So I, I totally feel you, but... And part I of this is George. Care. Honestly, George kind of fucked this up because the, the whole the whole problem with feast and dance is that he originally intended there to be a five year flash forward, so uh, that the, that the uh. children are all age into roles that would be plausible. Yeah. Um, but then when he tried to do that, he he saw that there were so many questions that were asked by that just jump forward in time, and so many things that he didn't sat he sat down and tried to then come up with a narrative that eliminated a five year gap. Which hmm. so a lot of this is George's fault. Um, and the showrunners are just trying to uh, to make this as clear as possible with the fact that they have teenage actors who, by the way, like, um, not for nothing, like, it's amazing that Isaac and Sophie and Maisie and Kit, they've all turned out to be really good actors. Mm-hmm. And when you cast them so young, you just don't know. Sure. So, you know, but the thing is, you can't, you can't, I don't think it's ethical uh, to retard their aging in real life. <laughs> I don't think so. so you no. can't like take Maisie Williams' blood and s- throw it through a centrifuge, remove all human growth hormone, and be like, "Sorry, sorry, you can't have babies at the end of this." Also, you guys start smoking and drinking coffee. You do. We have to stunt every bit of your growth. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? I mean, that's the thing. The jetpack stuff. This stuff. Like, you got to either you either got to decide whether this is going to bug you, or you can turn off that part of your brain and enjoy it because it's it's an irresolvable problem. Yeah, that you are correct to point out. Uh, let's roll right along to Colin C. Something I'm excited for, but that gets me the most pumped in the trailer is seeing Beric Dondarrion and what looks like the North unsheathing a sword and then having it go up in flames. Yeah, looks amazing. Just want to see if you would discuss that and what role Beric and the Brotherhood without Branner, Branner, banners could play in season seven. Uh, that's that is the description. That is the depiction of what Lightbringer is described as. Right. Yes. So. 
he's apparently got it at some point this season. But I don't we know also how, know I don't that know he's why. like like there's there's the implication that Barrick's sword trick is more like you know pyrotechnics, uh, than, like a Melisandre vials of poison and such. Exactly, um, because also huh. in in the books, Theros of Mir is the one he did that like in, in tourneys for like a stunt. Oh, he just set his right. sword on fire and like I'm I'm the priest of the light, and so it would just go through and bash in these these melees. <laughs> So I, the the real question is what what is the path of the Brotherhood? I think the Brotherhood's interesting because their mission has been to fight for the people, mm-hmm. and it seems like their role is to maybe awaken and remind people of their duty to the people, uh, to to and that they'll be important because uh, they're an elite fighting force that can help John out, even if Danny doesn't help him, or if Danny's too mired in the South to to take a stand against the the White Walkers. Um, I think that's that's their 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 goal. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know much about them honestly. Like they're they're more mysterious in the show than they are in the books. Right. They're a little bit more morally ambiguous, but that's also because they're. Well, I mean, shit. The, the Brotherhood, book Brotherhood. They're. I mean, and story and, and show Brotherhood are, are very different at this point. Yeah. And we're also way past the books at this point. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do think it's they're going to be a supplementary fighting force for John. It seems like in the scenes we see him up north, they're they're with him. Yeah. So that's where I think they're going to do. I don't have any more insight than that than that, unfortunately. Uh, Jordan, what do you guys think is going to happen with Melisandre now that she's banished by the King of the North? I feel like she could play an important role in the fight against others, but I'm wondering how she'll do that and who she might team up with. So I'm thinking she teams up. I, I don't know if it's a team up. I don't know if it's like dream team sort of thing, but I'm thinking she hooks up at some point with. Tyrion and Danny and Varys and their whole alliance because we had that the those moments in last season where Tyrion was trying to connect with the Red Priestess and you know using using the religion as a way to get the people on their side. Mm-hmm. I feel like Melisandre as a Red Priestess herself could be valuable in that effort. Yeah, um, I, I really saw, don't know though. You also saw the Red Priestesses and priests across the ocean. They're like solidly behind Danny. So I wonder if there's like a exactly. franchise opera. Like, look, you need to get on. Yeah, I get it. You raised this other dude from the dead, but you know, all of her pamphlets say Danny, <laughs> right? So like, get on message. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no, I, I think that's like, one of the wild cards. You know, right? I also feel like Melisandre is going to be. Uh, seen as a force for good in the end that she's been wanting to like 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 she's been wanting to address the white walkers and that threat for the the whole time yeah. like the 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 battle of the seven kingdoms was always a sideshow for her the real mm-hmm. war she's the, been the one character from the very beginning who's been saying that since she came on screen like mm-hmm. i'm looking here i'm here for the prince that was promised want to clean this shit up so we can go and do the real thing um so yeah you might quibble with her methods yeah um you totally. might you might ask questions about you know how good are the gods of westeros or the god or goddess of westeros but i do think that she's going to be ultimately seen as an engine for good yeah it's going to be tough for me to forgive her well her, she might have to pay sins, and again though. she might have yeah. to pay that price too because she's yeah. done bad things she's done bad morally questionable things in the sermon uh-huh. and, and i feel like that those people get punished um, Elias Miles, my question is about the horn Sam has. Do you think this is the horn uh, the King of the North is looking for? Um, 
it was rumored to be able to have the power to destroy the wall. So this is this is a book centric thing, right? It's kind of a book centric thing. It was also shown in the the, the show. Maybe I should have put this in a spoiler section, um, but because the bottom line is, I don't think this is gonna. I don't think this is gonna be a thing. Mm-hmm. I think they put that in because I think at this point they didn't even have a Dance of Dragons out yet, mm-hmm. and they were hedging their bets about like there's so many red herrings and so many things that are dramatically important for George to give a real breathable world that has a lot of complexity and a lot of but when you're trying to stream that pair that down to 73 hours some of that shit's got to go yeah. which is why I think the Greyjoy shit has been really streamlined the Dorn stuff is really streamlined and I think this horn thing is going to go the way of the dodo mm-hmm. the dragon glass obviously is important because they've kept mentioning that but we haven't heard anything about that, that horn uh, since I don't think not that I recall so there you go uh, Sharon and S going into the end game. We think we know where the pieces are going. Cersei's going to go down in flames. Jamie's on a redemption arc. Is he? <laughs> Littlefinger's still playing the game, but the game doesn't matter anymore. John and Danny together are Azul, a hula hoop. Come again. <laughs> Bran is a psychic secret weapon against the dark. But let me ask you this: Where's the Ned? More specifically, the Ned beheading we don't see coming. The most satisfying thing about this show and Gurm's storytelling in general is it can still surprise us, even in narrative bursting with familiar archetypal characters, settings, and tropes. What do you have any thought about this? Because you, it, it does. There's, I guess, one answer is we're far enough along. There are no more surprises. This is all resolution. Be. Yeah, it's too late to, to zig when you can zag. The other possibility that you brought up earlier is the Danny is the next. Uh, big surprise right you know, going evil going right. mad queen right uh yeah i i can't think of a whole lot of other or even if danny twists. like it's it's very hard for me to think that both john and danny are going to survive at the end of this or maybe even both of them hmm. um and i wonder if if danny doesn't turn evil maybe she just has to sacrifice herself to to win the day or maybe john has to sacrifice herself himself his self. Uh-huh. Maybe he's going to transition into a woman. I mean, I'm not going to judge. Maybe. He's the princess he's transition promised. into a wolf. Because dragons, it's sexless. If you go to the original Valerian prince, princess, it's all the same, you know? Huh. Okay. Uh, that's kind of true, kind of not. I just... <laughs> I didn't have, know that about dragons. Just having fun because we haven't got... That. We're, de- we're about to get into the spoiler section. <laughs> okay. So cool. I, I was easing people into it. Um. So, yeah. That's the... That that's my that's my I, I think something we we think that there's going to be some team up with Danny and John and I don't think it's going to be that simple, and there's also the, the there's also a lot of scenes of like Danny like this is her girlhood dream this is everything w- coming wildly true that she's at her ancestral home that she's got the armies and the navies and the dragons she needs and it's all within her grasp and she's going to have some scruffy dude from the north who is self proclaimed king and broken off half of her kingdom and saying there's a bunch of snarks and grumpkins that has to be taken uh, care of north of the wall. Is she going to roll with that? That's not something she's been dreaming about since a girl. That's true. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but that is where we're going to dismiss the people that are complete spoiler phobes. I don't think there's a lot. There's not a lot of terrors left in the darkness for you show-only watchers, um, but I certainly understand if you don't want any of the, any hints of spoils because you know there is a few secrets left in the books. Um, so if you want to come with us in the spoiler section, you're certainly welcome to. Um, but if you're really spoiler phobe, I would highly recommend skipping it. Um, these will be a separate section, a separate podcast entirely during the season. They'll have warnings beforehand that you shouldn't listen to them unless you are comfortable with book spoilers. But that's what we're about to do right now. 
Uh, see you in this. Oh, uh, if you have feedback for us, because uh, you know we got the the new episode coming out Sunday night, we'll have the instant take that night, just minutes after the the, the episode airs. Um, if you want to send feedback, it's Game of Thrones at baldmove.com or GOT at baldmove.com, or you can go to our forums, forums at baldmove.com. See everybody in the spoiler section. And now is the time in which I tell you about club.baldmove.com. You might wonder uh, how we have the time to spend all the hours we do making all these podcasts about Game of Thrones. Uh, and we make podcasts all year round. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a full calendar. Uh, the big answer is we're largely listener-supported. It, it allows us to keep independent thought and opinion and not rely so much on advertisers or uh, you know support from the shows themselves. And you can go to club.baldmove.com to sign up. Right now we've got a membership. Sale. We're selling. We're giving twenty five percent off uh, for Game of Thrones uh, fans for yearly memberships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can sign up. We actually have a, a Game of Thrones themed club page now, which we've spruced up to include samples of this, the the content that you'd expect from the premium editions, ad free feeds, special sections on the forums, extra bonus content. Uh, so you can kind of you can get a sampling of that content, uh, but sign up with the code GOT. 2017 when you check out to to lock in that uh, that 25% discount and it's only going through July 31st. Yep. So August 1st it's over, it goes back to its its regular yearly pricing. Uh but uh yeah, we want to do something really big to kind of celebrate and and, and spike uh club memberships. And it's you get all, you get you get ad free, like I said ad free feeds and video feeds. Um it's a great way to support independent podcasting. Plus if you just like me and Jim talking Lots more of that. Um, yeah, some, lunch some, is pretty much all that. Some of it's more. It's, a lot of it's are still around movies and television, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of just general interest stuff, and there's a lot of more comedy things that we try to do. Uh, we'll be spotlighting that all season long. But uh, we're excited about the club sale. Club.baldmove.com. GOT 2017 is the promo code, all one word, no spaces. You, you apply that at checkout, and you'll get twenty five percent off. Our gift to you to celebrate bald, uh, celebrate bald move and Game of Thrones. Club.baldmove.com. Uh, I want to take a break between feedbacks here to talk about some housekeeping stuff. Uh, you know, there's lots of stuff going on in Bald Move, largely circling around the Game of Thrones now. But next week, uh, we are going to be watching Dunkirk on Thursday night, and mm-hmm. we'll have a podcast on that. We have just a general impressions podcast for everybody. If you're a club member, you get our full spoiler takes. Uh, dropping next Wednesday is the next chapter, the final chapter in Season 3 of The Walking Dead's Telltale video game. Playthrough we call Bad Guy Javi, where we try to make the worst decisions possible and see how bad we can screw up the world of The Walking Dead. Um, we also have, you know, our, our schedule for Game of Thrones is Sunday night, we have the instant take. Uh, Tuesday afternoon, we have the regular podcast. Friday afternoon, we have the spoiler edition. If you're a club member, you can log into baldmove.com and watch us record those. It's the fastest way to get the podcast. Um, and the schedule usually posted a week in advance. It's on the sidebar. The coming soon or upcoming, you can see the exact times because sometimes it's, it's, it gets fluctu- it fluctuates. Or I like, think if you're on a mobile device, you scroll all the scroll way all the way down. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, what else? You got we got a survey too. If you if if, if, if you don't support Bald Move in any other way, we have a survey that our advertisers have asked. It asks three simple demographic questions. It takes under a minute to take. It's anonymous. Jim, hit him with the link survey.libsyn.com slash bmgot and libsyn is spelled l-i-b-s-y-n and i'll also have that link in the show notes that you can click on 
Um, so that's cool. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, this has nothing to do with Bald Move, but it does have something to do with cool. It's Game of Thrones. Um, I was really impressed with the Manimals. Uh-huh. They're, uh, they have a Game of Thrones concept album called Seven, and it's uh-huh. seven songs sung from seven different uh, POVs in the Game of Thrones. It feels very Game of Thrones. Um, and they performed this album live uh, at the, the Con of Thrones, and they have like the all these costume changes and they're just like a really, they have a really high energy rock band and all of their players are in costume. Um, I got to met, meet and hang out with some of the band. They're really incredible. Uh, they just released a video of t- the, the, the song teeth, uh, where they largely shot it, um, very high quality footage at the con of Thrones. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of concert footage of that. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, there's a link of that in the show notes as well. Cause, uh, I would like to shine a little bit of spotlight on them and, and uh, if you like it, great. The, there's the, you can get that free almost any music distribution service. You can download the song. You can download the whole album. Uh, it's on Spotify and Play. But check that out in the uh, show notes as well. It's Teeth by the Manimals. FX is adapting James Clavell's best-selling novel, Shogun, into a 10-part miniseries this spring. Set in the shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain, featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works. Starring Hiroyuki Sonata from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two-part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at bald move just join the club but some people aren't the joining type or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage or for a podcast that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time for these and for whatever other reason you might have our tip jar is always open head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say hey keep doing what you're doing we appreciate it Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan-favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. 
Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. All right. I don't have as many spoiler emails as I did non-spoiler emails. So just just everybody relax if you think it's going to be a three-hour preview podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, Audrey T. Throughout this season six, he debated just who would be the Valonqar. Oh, I want to start talking about some spoiler stuff in general. Um, I said that I was out of theories last year. I think I got a couple um, that I want to develop in the next few weeks that I've, I've learned from talking to some people. Uh, at the Con of Thrones, there's a really good one about Euron. Uh, that is entirely based or mostly based on stuff that came out in the preview chapters of the winds of winter, which I kind of resisted because I'm like, I was operating under the illusion that with all the preview chapters coming out, that surely winds of winter would be around the horizon. I, I no longer think that's true. So I've been reading the preview chapters and getting into stuff that's more based on that. And there was a surprising amount of fire in there. Uh, I got a couple, so those look forward to those in the next few weeks. Uh, some Euron theories, some Prince of Was Promised theories. I'm hoping that uh, my buddy Kim Renfro from The Insider will join me for some of those discussions because uh, uh, she was really good at the at the con, and we've been talking about getting together for some for some spoiler stuff. So got that to look forward to. All right, back to Audrey. Uh, throughout season six, you debated who would be the Valonqar that would end Cersei's life. Now. Just for the show people and for Jim that might not remember this, oh, I remember that's part of that. That's part of the prophecy that that Cersei gets in the books when she's a little girl that the show left out. Mm-hmm. The show was all about the you know marrying the king and having three golden children with three golden shrouds. There's other part that that after you've lost everything that the Valonqar would 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 come and kill you. Uh, I think it choked the life out of you or something like that. Valonqar is a high Valerian word that means little brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like, ooh, could it be Tyrion? Because that's certainly Cersei has always taken it to be Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's why she's always hated him and been skeptical of her whole, whole life because she's been obsessed with the, uh, 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 subverting this prophecy. All right, so there's the background. Um, I, like many others, have liked the idea that this would be Jamie, who is also like he was the last to be born of the twins. He came out, you know, Cersei popped out first, he came out second. So mm-hmm. he's technically younger. It would have a great ring of poetic justice to it, and he would have many reasons to want her dead. But on listening to your recap of episode 610, I realized that if you looked at that act honestly, his next step after killing her would undoubtedly be ending his own life. I hate the thought, but I mean, honestly, he wouldn't have much to live for at that point. As the trailer points out, we're the last of the Lannisters, the last ones who count. His children are dead, his house is in ruins, and he killed the only woman he just loved, who took his uh, tragic sacrifice of becoming a Kingslayer and made it all for naught. Um, I actually think that's probably what's going to go down. Uh, I don't have a problem with Jamie committing suicide because I've been thinking yeah. about it, and yeah, I yeah. think Jamie doesn't make it out of the series alive because he threw a kid out of a window. Yeah, I mean, the thing that really to me says it's going to be Jamie is that Cersei went and did the thing that Jamie tried exactly. to prevent in the first place, which and, is and, destroy the city with wildfire. And as I, I said last week, a year, I'm actually shocked that show Jamie is still professing love for her. Yeah. Because I thought when you know the, what I got for the performance of Nicolaj when he saw the red you know the 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 great sept up in flames was like my god mm-hmm. like that's literally what he threw away his honor and his his reputation to to yeah. prevent mm-hmm. and now the woman that 
it's claimed the love, but now he's done. It's so weird because in the books, he has gotten over Cersei a long time ago. Right. So I've always questioned why the Double Ds have kept prolonging their relationship and having Jaime and Cersei being a thing hanging on. And maybe it's to make it even more dramatic when he does betray her. Um, and kills himself. I, I don't remember the exact context of that quote from the trailers, where the only Lannisters that matter, or right. whatever. Um, are we certain that he's talking to Cersei? No, that's a good point. Because Tyrion's be, still out he there. He could be talking to Tyrion. And we know that he hates Tyrion, but what if he hates Cersei more <laughs> at this point? Like, well, and also, does he hate Tyrion for valid reasons? For killing his dad? I right. Mean, probably... But, you know, he knows what all his dad did to... And he knows... Yeah, he knows about the Tyrion stuff. And he knows it's... Tyrion's quality. I mean, it's, it's, that's a big question. And that's the other thing that's different from the books. Like, you know, book Jamie feels differently about Tyrion than show. And, like, Tyrion... Book Tyrion hates Jamie a lot more than show Tyrion does. He mm-hmm. spends a lot more time thinking about it. I mean, it could um, be and wrong. also, Jamie just... spends a lot more time thinking about Tyrion's final words to him, that Cersei's fucking... You know, Lancel and Kettlebacks and Moonboy, for all I know. Like, uh-huh. that's, like, fucking echoes in Jamie's internal monologue again and again and again. Huh. Um, it's barely mentioned in the show. Right. So they're just, they're, like, seems like uh, Jamie danced with the one that brung him up until the bitter end in the show. And I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know. I mean, if this isn't a turning point in Jamie, uh, having Cersei commit the exact act that he lost his reputation for... I don't know what would ever be. I, I just right. can't see it. Right. Um, let us talk about Caitlin. What do you think will the chances are that Tyrion will turn on Danny? Ooh, Danny betrayal theory. This hmm. is interesting. In the books, part of Danny's prophecy she continues to go over is her three treasons. So in this in the there's a lot of fascinating things that I, I think I largely covered in a previous spoiler edition. And if you don't know all of the previous spoiler editions that have like a, a theory deep dive, uh, there's a link to that archive in the show notes for all of these spoiler podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's got uh, – there's this, this series of triple prophecies that she receives in the House of the Undying that should have happened back in season two. And it turned out to just be a vision of Drogo. Um Anyway, uh, she has, like, three loves, three betrayals, uh, three rides, and, um, and they all have, like, you know, you've got one, you've got three three mounts that you will know, one to wed, or one to bed, one to wed, and one for dread. And there'll be three betrayals, one for love, one for blood, one for gold, and there'll be three. So, first of all, none of that's in the show. Yeah. So, but... To the extent that the prophecy is in the books and they'll have a fulfillment in the books, you can see that probably the main things will probably work in in some way into the – so it's another way you can use the show or the books to try to predict what's happening in the show. Just providing background for everybody. Okay. Um, in the books, part of Danny's prophecy, she continues to go over her three treasons. Tyrion hasn't made it into Danny's service in them yet in the books, but the one big difference between the books and the show is the relationship with Jamie, particularly after his trial when Jamie reveals his role in the – uh, Taisha disaster. Tyrion, in turn, tells Jamie how Cersei has been sleeping with a number of other people. Damn, it's almost like you were listening to the podcast ahead of time, Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this show, their two have never had that conversation and seem to have a stronger relationship. Tyrion claimed in season five to be the best Lannister killer around, and we know he's absolutely willing to take his sister down. But we haven't seen Tyrion and Danny deal with the fact that Jamie, who Tyrion may not be willing to see die in this war for Westeros, was responsible for killing Danny's father. 
Danny's treasons are for one blood, two gold, and three love. Do you think one of these may apply to Tyrion turning on Danny's orders or duties as her hand to protect her brother? Well, hmm. it makes me think about that scene where you see Jamie out of his mind with anger, riding across a battlefield alone with his spear and his offhand charging what looks to be like Danny and her dragons. Uh-huh. And you think, how in the hell is he going to survive that? And maybe you won't. Because yeah. I have to talk about it. I think Jamie's arc is he's going to die. But what if, you know, what if Tyrion recognizes him and, like, makes Danny stop? I mean, hmm. would Tyrion betray Danny at this point for his brother? I doesn't feel like it, but maybe something like that. Maybe Jamie gets lucky and stabs a dragon and kills it, and that she sees it as betrayal. Is that what turns her evil? Like, hmm. I can't trust any of these fucking Westerosi. Everyone's getting put to the flames. Like, I, who knows? Who knows? What do you think yeah. about that? Uh, that would be a betrayal for love, by the way. I think. Okay. Love, love your brother. Because we've uh, there's already been other like like in the show. I think the betrayal for blood was. Um, the the Miri Mazder, the witch that betrayed her with the cure for Cal Drogo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the betrayal for gold is Zaro's on Duck Sauce. Okay, yep. Um, so there's still she the love betrayal the out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, hmm. It's tough to say. I don't. I guess I don't know quite enough about the books to feel comfortable making a prediction on them. Right. Uh, I, I do think there's well again interesting... these prophecies aren't in the show so do right. you, I guess what I'm asking you as a show watcher only would it's what what would your level it, of surprise be on these I would be pretty surprised as a show watcher I think I I think the only thing that could make Tyrion turn on her would to be to find out that she's evil and I think there's an interesting symmetry to right. the Jamie and Tyrion characters at that point if oh, he does right. have to turn on her. Uh, the trusted both her. the trusted lieutenants uh, stabbing their right. rulers in the back, and, and I don't. I'm realm. not saying they'll go there. I'm just saying right. that's an interesting symmetry, and they might come to a Tyrion might come to a greater understanding of Jamie being put in the same situation. Sure. Hmm. Uh, Sean McGee, I was just figured out that what they're going to do with Gendry. Gendry's going to replace Aegon's. Uh, uh, Fagon, Aegon, Blackfire, Targaryen. He will have rode his way to the Stormlands by season seven. We'll take over Aegon's sword from there. No need to get into the Blackfire lore, but I, but but still have a lesser claim to the throne story. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess the big question is: Aegon came over with John Connington and the Golden Company and all these cell swords, and he had ships, and he had. Targaryen loyalist in his corner. Who the fuck is Gendry going to have? <laughs> he's going to roll up after six years, uh-huh. and he's going to have fantastic delts and triceps and a leech wound, and going to be like, I'm secretly the son of Robert Baratheon, yeah, the bastard child. Like, no one cares. Gendry, where's his no armies? Because that, and that's yeah. the thing is like, I think Sean, you're falling into classic trap of of, of buying into this fucking royal right to rule right. business, yeah. Because might makes right. Uh-huh. Aegon the Targaryen did not have a rightful claim over the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. He ruled by virtue of might. Robert Baratheon did not have any kind of valid claim to the throne. He murdered and killed his way to there and then retroactively found the grandmother that had a drop of Targaryen blood. And, oh, look at there. Uh, I got the right to rule. Um, but Gendry doesn't have any of that. No. Any of that. Mm-hmm. So how – I mean – and also how interested are in the Double D's – 
of 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 having this weird Blackfire Targaryen Mummer's Dragon. That's also that prophecy's not part of the the series either. I, I just don't see it. I don't think Gendry's coming back in the show. I don't either. I think I think uh, Gendry rowing off into infinity was a was was more about the relationship of Davos and Stannis. Yeah. And telling us about who da- who I think Davos I, I don't see clearly who it but I think Davos is going to be a very pivotal figure towards the end yeah and that was a character moment for him not a origin story for Gendry the rowing champion of Westeros who will sit the Iron Throne and, and save us all right so um, that that's my and I you'll hear this a lot if you if you listen to this podcast like there'll be lots of people. With a lot of complicated genealogies and claims of throne, and I'll shoot them all down by asking, "Where's their armies? Where's their money? Where's their influence?" Yeah, because you don't got that, you don't got shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca G, I will be angry this season if Bran accidentally destroys the wall. So this is the theory that Bran is marked. He's going to be just just like we saw that that did something to the protect magical protection of the cave he was in. He's going uh, Mira's going to drag his 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 lanky ass, as, as someone put it, through the wall, and the wall's going to fall down. Jericho style. Uh, the whole brand arc has been a slog, and a brand destroying the wall through stupidity is not an acceptable payoff. If Westeros would have been better off with brand dying back in book one, season one, what the fuck? The sequence where Bran accidentally betrayed the cave was good. It was abrupt and sad and frustrating with wasted potential, which is a theme of Game of Thrones character deaths. Characters are ripped away from us too soon, often through some kind of mistake or incompetence or stupidity, and the world suffers for their loss. But having gone through that, how stupid would Bran have to be to go through the wall without first figuring out if he's going to destroy it? And how stupid would Unbingen have to be to bring Bran to the wall if Bran is capable of accidentally destroying the protective magic? Um... I mean, I guess my question would be I backed how much, away from this theory a lot. How much does Bran know about about the wall, about his mark, about like how much how much information does Bran have? Because we as as watchers and readers have a lot. Bran knows as much about green seeing and warging as Luke did when he left Dagobah the first time. Right. His and training look is how incomplete. stupid that was. Or exactly. Um I, I just don't know if he's even aware that the thing keeping the White Walkers at bay is some magical spell on the wall. Yeah. D- do you know like no, no, what the he, status uh, is Uncle of Uncle Benjamin told him that. I, I cannot follow you because there is a magical protection oh, that keeps right. me from, when he gun- met him, yeah. from crossing the wall back to the other side. I'll, right. I'll keep the fight going on my end. And yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe the wall falls, but I don't think it's because Bran I, – I agree. I don't think it's because Bran walks through that seems really okay. dumb for for season one of uh, uh, or season seven episode one Mira to drag him through the tunnel and it just fall. What if he's forced through the wall by the White Walkers? It could be. I still think it's. I mean, he has nowhere to retreat once he hits the wall, right? Yeah, and there's no one at the wall. Yeah, I mean the wall. Yeah, I mean he. It might be more important that he lives than the wall stands. Well, that's, and the other thing is like the wall can't stop wildings from ranging because mm-hmm. the, 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 the Night's Watch is not big enough to protect it, and that's before they went through a civil war and a brutal fight with the the, the wildlings. Um, I don't, like, w- other than the, ma- I guess it's magical protection, the wall standing, I don't know. I, I, I just can't. I, I, well, we know one thing about the mark is that okay. it, it provides the location of Bran, right? Right. To the White Walkers, the Night's right. King. Um so they could be using that just to find him, and and as they creep closer and closer, there is no escape but to go south. Yeah. 
and and then brand might have a choice to make you know do i cross this wall do i save myself do i well that i mean that's a good question because do the white walkers have to cross the wall to be a credible threat it seems like they do yeah i think so but it also seems like if the wall literally was a magic protection and a formidable barrier then what the fuck did the brother black why did the night's watch ever form like mm -hmm. you got the wall call it good it might be the wildlings i don't know Right. Keep the wildlings out because they're not affected by the magic. Right. I don't know. Um, those are all good questions. Yeah. I just mm -hmm. – I backed away because I just feel like the – it would be a cool CGI moment to see the wall crumble. <laughs> and I guess it would be a dramatic possibility. But I'm kind of with you that you're right. Bran has already had enough stupid, impetuous Bran moments. Uh, we need him to be older and wiser this season. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll see. Sean C., uh, one thing I've been seeing in the internet, Twitter, Reddit, Axis the last few days, as I thought was interesting, was an interview with the costume designer, Michelle Clapton. Uh, she gave to the media uh, about John's attire during two crucial meetings. She says that she meets with Cersei. She says that he meets with Cersei and Daenerys during this upcoming season. I think we all expected a meeting with Aunt Danny, but how do you read his meeting with Cersei, assuming it's true? Do you think this visit is just him appealing to the current ruler of Westeros for support in the wars to come against the White Walkers? Or is this some other reason he could potentially make the trek to King's Landing? I can't see Cersei being too pleased with Jon being king in the north. How do you think this plays out? This is assuming that Michelle's correct, of course. Um, yeah, I man, I it's it's real hard. And I get it, like, I want to say just because Jon's in Winterfell consolidating power... Cersei is on the Iron Throne, and Danny is crossing the Narrow Sea. Mm -hmm. And looks like very early in the season is going to be taking Dragonstone. So, yeah, John meeting Danny, no-brainer. But when does John go down to King's Landing or Cersei come to him and do some kind of treaty? Mm -hmm. Like, a raven? A raven? Where it's like, look, sure. yeah. I'm giving a white... I'm trying to do a white flag feather situation... And inform you of this grave threat, and it's probably going to be stupid, and you won't heed it. But I feel like for the good of the realm, I need to let you know that there's ice zombies coming. Mm -hmm. But being in the same room, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, could I be, honestly can't see it. It happening. could be a misquote or she misspoke. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But I, yeah, I, I can't. I'm with you. I can't see how that jetpacks. I just don't see how narratively that works out that he's going to do there and go right. all the way down there and yeah. then go all the way back up and or even like from a character perspective. Yeah. I don't see them being in the same room without major hostilities. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I can see John swallowing his pride if he thought that, like, if, if Tywin right. was still the regent of the land. But Cersei? Like, that's just not... That's a non-starter. Mm -hmm. She's not, like... If you show up... If John shows up in the Red Keep, I'd assume she'd just throw him in the Black Cells and you'd never see him again. Right, exactly. She'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll give you salt and bread and then kill... You know, it's like, yep. this is the Lannisters. This is the Red Wedding. Mm -hmm. John knows all this shit. Why would he trust them? He shouldn't. All right, Andrew E. Sansa Stark. She's been my favorite story of the show, and I've really enjoyed watching her transformation. But is she going to make it? Every season, I'm par pretty paranoid she'll die, but even after her, all her growth and risk of her making terrible decisions like double-crossing John, these risks now feel like they're increasing. I know I'll probably never see Queen on the Throne Sansa, but I'd settle for a live Sansa at the very least. Um, and then he says, add-on thought, if she does die, is there some kind of final season Lady Stoneheart appearance with Sansa standing in for Catelyn? <laughs> Ooh. Interesting. That would be interesting. Uh, no, I don't think she dies in this series. I think the, the she has she... paid her dues, and now she's on the up, 
and she i don't think she sits on the throne i think she's uh she's queen of the north essentially right um with whatever john's fate is i don't think he's going to be king of the north she'd be the dame paramount in the the north um yeah yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. The only way I see her dying is if she does the stupid stanza thing of listening to Littlefinger. Sure, As yeah. he weaves his poison against Jon. He's not even a real Stark. He's a Targaryen. You can't trust him. He's going to side with Danny, And then right. she fucking believes him. But just that's, seems unlikely at that just, point. Yeah, yeah, she's like, th- 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 in that case... Uh, I mean, Sansa's a really almost. waste like, of a character at that point. Yeah, yeah. If she, huh, she can't give in to Littlefinger. Here. She's got all the stupidity and irrelevance of like a Mace Tyrell, but with ten times the screen time and POV chapters. Yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah. All right. See, I, I got you. I, I'm, I'm watching you, Double Ds and and Germ. <laughs> Don't pull that shit. Russell K, is it necessary that Jon Snow's true parents are revealed in the final episode of season six? Jon's proclaimed the King of the North. This has to validate him as a Starker. Oh, by the way, that was my highlight of the Con of Thrones when I got a whole room of people to scream King of the North at my command. <laughs> it's yeah, so much fun to command a room full of people uh, to shout something. Shouting shame was, yeah, was probably the best. Right? That's yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you how do you get, become like like I was like you know as a in a presidential campaign when you say shit and it's like thousands of people cheer like how does that not fuck you up? Sure. Right. God, what a fucking trip. Yeah, that feedback is is odd as podcasters. Mm. King of the North. King of the North. Everybody, listen and shout along. If you're on a bus, I don't care. If you're in a car and you're in rush hour, <laughs> you're in the middle of your office, King, King of the North. And you know there will be someone else shouting at the same That's time. That's right. You want to yeah. be a disloyal? Say it right now. Do it. Do it. Uh, this has to validate him as a Stark, right? Right back into Russell's email. Either way, he's a Stark, whether or not people think he's Ned's bastard, Lyanna's son. In terms of John's true father, does it really matter if people know his father is actually Rhaegar Targaryen? So somebody has to know. I mean, aside from Bran, because what, what the hell is the point I mean, of Bran finding out if nobody else knows? Right. It, it matters. That, there's a, two things where it matters. It matters to Danny. Sure. Like, that could potentially smooth things over with her um, or potentially ignite disaster. I think it ma- matters to Sansa. Because, okay. like, is John my brother or not? God damn. I pretended my whole life like he's, like, this less than bastard shameful thing. And now I've embraced him as a brother. And now he's my cousin. Weird. Th- yeah. um, and it probably matters to John a little bit. Matters to John. It also matters as far as the this Azora High prince that was promised who was promised prophecy. Right. Right. Because Rhaegar thinks it matters. Rhaegar thinks this is the song of ice and fire. Uh, you know, there's nice symmetry there. Um, John being a product of both the North... Uh, the Starks associated with winter and snow. His last name is fucking snow mm-hmm. uh, with him having Targaryen blood and their fire. You know, they're literally fire and blood. I mean, he is the song of ice and fire and Rhaegar would be proven true. Yeah. Um, so I think it matters for those, the two, char- the two characters. I think it matters to the prophecy. Um, so, and, and as you said, narratively, why introduce it at this point if it didn't matter? Yeah. So why keep it going? You know? But <laughs> again, like how is this Prince of Promising going to kind of going to play out? Because it still seems really silly for him to be some kind of Superman. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, he also wants to know if the North would turn on John if they knew his father's Rhaegar Targaryen and not <laughs> Ned Stark. I guess that's another thing. Um, but I don't know. It feels like the North like reg- like they're willing to set aside everything about his parentage and like, look, this guy through his leadership and his battle prowess has lived up to the Stark line. 
Absolutely. And he still got Ned Stark's blood running through him because his sister Lyanna is his mother. So I don't know how that would change. I don't know how that would change unless John got a big head on him and went full Targaryen and started like, oh, you fucking northerners are not, you know. Yeah, I'm, he I'm not the mad being, king of the north. I'm not content with being the king of the north. I want to be king of all Westeros. March with me. I, that maybe, uh-huh. but yeah, I don't know. All right, final spoiler email. Sean A. My question is, how on board with the tar- Tyrion as a secret Targaryen theory are you? So if you don't know... I'm not super familiar with this theory. Well, he's, he goes through an email, and I can answer questions at the end. Okay. Uh, also, I did a pretty good take on this on one of the uh, spoilers of past, which, again, you can see in the show notes. There's a link to the archives and our forums. Uh, it has the link to the episode and the timestamp in which I start to discuss the theory. Um, I did not think it was true until I read the books this year. Tyrion seems to list after... Or, uh, lust after dragons going all the way back to the first book. In addition, Barristan told Danny his father lusted after Joanna Lannister, which is Tyrion's uh, uh, father or putative mother. Um, and the wedding of her and Ty- well, no, it's, it's it's his real mother. You can't have a putative mother. Like you pop out of an actual mother. Yeah, Other than Jon yeah. Snow, <laughs> everyone pops out of a real woman's vagina. Yep. Jon Snow and the Shadow Baby. Everybody else has mothers <laughs> that we know about. Um, in addition, Barristan told Danny's father... Okay, we were stuck that. At the wedding of her and Tywin and made remarks about how Prima Nocta was no longer in effect. Um, not just that. Like, there's a lot of hints that, at the very least, the Mad King took license with Tyrion's wife. Whether hmm. that's, like, a smack on the ass, or that's an inappropriate comment, whether that's just, I'm taking your lady to the bedchambers and you got shit to say about it. Hmm. Who knows? Uh, even in the show, they played up the relationship with Tyrion being able to free the dragons. Aaron, I think you did a spoiler cast on this a while ago, but I wanted to get both of your opinions now that the show has passed the books. Thoughts? One of my second, one of my second hot theories is Tyrion is a time traveling fetus. Oh God. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, you yeah, buckle up for that one, Jim. Yeehaw. <laughs> Um, so, so, so basically this theory goes around to like, there's a lot of association with Tyrion, like, like he says in the books that when I told my uncle that I wanted to be a dragon rider and he told me the dragons were extinct, mm-hmm. that he cried, he has dreams where he rides a dragon and flies with dragons. Um, we have the story where Barristan tells Danny that, you know, uh, Joanna Lannister might've been raped by the Mad King heiress. Uh, the timeline, the other thing so, so I, f- I found out a couple things at the at the Con of Thrones. I'm the only person in the world that's like a theory person that doesn't hate this theory. Because <laughs> okay. the line of argument is this takes all the dramatic air out of this situation. Oh, but let me finish my first thought. The, the timing of Tyrion's birth and the license that the Mad King took with Joanna Lannister, whatever that is, mm-hmm. is roughly the time you'd need to gestate a Tyrion. Okay. Um and that's significant, right? Because yeah. that's also like some of the evidence why why we thought John was the mother of Rhaegar, because like all the timelines laid you know lined up. Um, so people hate this theory because it takes out all the dramatic tension between Tyrion and Tywin. The fact that Tywin irrationally hates Tyrion, even though he's the most like Tywin of all of his children, he hates him because he killed his wife that Tywin uh, loved. Truly, mm-hmm. he hates him because he's a dwarf. He hates him because he um, 
you know, doesn't live life the way he wanted him to live. Um, he, there's a, lo- a variety of reasons. And if you say, oh, well, he hates him because he's actually, he knows that he's a he, secret bastard. And the only reason he took him in as a Targaryen, uh, a Lannister is because he didn't, ba- he w- didn't want to bear, uh, bear the shame and humiliation of being a cuckold in his own castle, then that takes it out. Hmm. But I think that is looking at one end of the telescope and saying there's no way you can look at it from the other end because mm-hmm. it's also kind of interesting that Tywin's illegitimate son is the most like Tywin. Like the fact that there's no blood in, of Tywin's at all in him, that's, like, that's kind of uh, interesting. I suppose so, yeah. There's uh, also like there's some superficial things in the book like Tyrion, you know, they got the, you know, Tyrion's hair is described as like a pale gold which could roughly you know the 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 the, the Targaryens always described having like the silver gold hair, and he's got mismatched eyes, which maybe people some people have suggested like one of his eyes is purple and the other is like a more of a Lannister green or blue, uh-huh. uh, and you know, um, the fact that there's also some symmetry, and this is the the main the the main thrust of the Tyrion as a time traveling fetus theory. Um, the way the the books describe Danny's stillborn child. Is it having tail and wings and and uh, monstrous features? Is exactly the way they describe Tyrion as being born. Now that was mm-hmm. a bunch of hateful lies promulgated by Cersei. It seems like, yeah. But there's also why there why is there that narrative symmetry, um, you know, involved? So, but and the other the other reason people hate that theory is because how many fucking secret targs are going to be running around? Uh-huh. I, you know, like like Tyrion would be the fifth one, right? Uh, and that's before you go back to Duncan Egg, where you know Egg was a, uh, the, the OG secret targ. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I it's points on both sides, I guess. I yeah. I don't know where I fall on that one. I don't see it happen in the show because they haven't laid any of the framework to that. Yeah, they haven't. Um, but it's also when you think about Danny, the you know the, the prophecy of the dragon must have three heads. Yeah, yeah. Tyrion being a dragon, Tyrion being a, stuff, a yeah. legit Targaryen and riding a dragon mm-hmm. alongside other Targaryens such as Jon and Danny, that kind of feels cool. Sure. So I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised at how many like lore crafters uh, do. Um, but but that seems like if you ask the 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 you know Aziz from History of Westeros and uh, poor Quentin, um, which God I, I don't know why I always think of, can't remember his name, uh, Brandon something or other. Uh, like a lot, lot, like a lot of these guys just fucking hate that theory, hmm. but okay. uh, I don't. We covered it in a while back in a spoiler podcast. Um, but that's it. That's it for the. That's it for the spoiler slash feedback edition of the preview podcast. I think I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm Man, ready. I've I've been ready for like three weeks now. Because I was saying is like this. Like Game of Thrones is not is the rare combination of crowd pleaser executed at a very high level uh, and and with a lot of artistic merit. Like, yeah. you know, uh, like like Breaking Bad. It's a mm-hmm. thrill ride, but also, like, you stand back and think, holy shit, this is really good, too. Yeah, craftsmanship is there. And the it's, art's the, there. it's the biggest television show in the world right now. It is, yeah. And it's just going to get more epic this season. Right. Like, <laughs> everything you've seen before is like a prelude to the awesomeness right. that is going to be this season. So. I've heard that every one of these episodes is a Blackwater slash Hard Home style, like, thrill ride. I yeah. Which, I'm so excited. <laughs> which is kind of worrying because that's not what I associate Game of Thrones success with. I right. Game of Thrones is a political boiler with a little bit of magic and sex and enough like holy shit badass blockbuster moments to keep you invested and yeah. leave you breathless. I don't know what a seven episode season of Game of Thrones where they just never take the foot off the gas would feel like. I think season was it season 4? 
was a lot like that. The one with Oberyn. Oh, yeah. It was just like beat after beat. Every three episodes, something crazy happened. Yeah, the purple wedding, all that stuff. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, if they just go one step farther, uh, one step further and say all seven are going to be like that. And, you know, even episodes like Hard Home do a lot of interesting stuff character wise and politically. Like, there was a lot of lead up to the massive battle there. Right, right, right. Um, So they they can do it. But the other argument is like they've spent six seasons leading to all, and it's it's time right. for resolution, baby. Yeah, you got the stuff that you wanted out of Game of Thrones politically. It's time to we're going to get a little thing, more, but right. let's fucking do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and ready. It, it looks like you know from a budget perspective and from a CGI perspective, it, it, the trailer just looks nuts. It does so, man. It's 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 uh, winter's here. <laughs> it is no longer coming. It is now here. It in is. the middle of summer. <laughs> so uh, we're excited. We will be back uh, Sunday sometime, you know, after. Like, it, it, if you're a club member, you can actually watch us record the podcast. And we'll be here yeah. about 10 minutes, 15 minutes after the episode ends. And we'll be live watch, or We'll be live recording it. And we'll get it out. And it'll probably be out for everybody less than an hour or so after the episode. Look for it on ballmove.com. Yep. Um, and then, of course, we'll have the full podcast on Tuesday, like always. And we have the spoiler edition on Friday. If you want to see when that stuff drops, a good place to do that is subscribe to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash baldmove, or Twitter, at baldmove. Uh-huh. Uh, both of those places are good. The forums are also a good place. Right. Forums.baldmove.com. If you want to discuss like your, 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 your favorite pet theory of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, and then also, finally, uh, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com, GOT at baldmove.com. That's really the only place I look for feedback because it's already a fire hose. Yeah, it if is. I, if I, if I, 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 when I get done with that, I'm not thinking, oh, let's go over and see what Facebook has to say. I'm let's still hungry. I'm like, nah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a all-you-can-eat-and-then-some buffet. So yeah. that's, that's where if you want to actually be considered. And also – I'd, I'm going to say this once. Uh, I get at, at the height of last season, I got around a thousand emails between mm-hmm. Sunday night and like Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. and I can only read about twenty or so. So do not feel bad if I don't read or if I do not read your thing on 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 online. Um, it's got to be kind of like the first take because you know any any takes going to have like thirty different duplicates. It's got to be a, a, a more complete or funny take. But even then, like it's just it's just really hard. It's 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 drinking from the fire hose with a thimble when it comes to the show. So please yeah. don't get your feelings hurt. I know people will anyway, but it's nothing personal. It's just business. Yeah. Uh, we will see you in a couple couple days. Yeah. Until uh, then. then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.